Knuckleheads MMA podcast for UFC Fight Night Mexico City. This is UFC Fight Night 159. We have Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. I'm Tim. I'm here again with Lee. We're talking fucking Lee. What's up, Lee? What's going on? We're coming off of UFC Fight Night Vancouver. Uh, it was a decent event. There were lots of uh, interesting things you could say that happened in that one. Yeah, I think the main event was not surprising, the end result. Um, I think probably the other fight that was most memorable was uh, the Michelle uh, Perea fight. Um, His antics seemed to cost him. It was so odd. And um, we saw a huge upset by a late replacement and, and... a great a great story i want to apologize about that one uh right at the top but let me just run through some of the weird things that happened real quick we had misha serkimov winning by uh peruvian necktie which you don't see that submission too often that was really cool uh you saw uriah hall uh probably one of his better performances in a while that was actually a really good fight too versus uh antonio carlos jr uh like you mentioned tristan Connolly. Upsetting uh, Michelle Pejea. The Todd Duffy-Jeff Hughes fight went to a no contest after an eye poke uh, from Jeff Hughes to Todd Duffy. Todd Duffy claimed he was seen double and didn't conti- didn't want to continue. Nothing really too weird about the co-main, Gilbert Teixeira. He's really been on a roll lately, utilizing his takedowns. And then, like you said, Justin Gagey. It was a little bit of a surprise how fast he knocked out Cowboy, I would say, though. Yeah, I mean, I I personally wasn't surprised. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. There's different variations or outcomes of that fight that could have happened. I, it, it could have been a, a, a five-round war. I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have expected it. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. I wouldn't have even been surprised if uh, Cowboy would have, you know, delivered one of his big knockout kicks. But, I mean, it was exciting while it lasted. That's what she said. Yeah. How did you feel about the no contest with Jeff Hughes and Todd Duffy? You know, it's hard for a couch potato like me Don't! to question a fighter and their toughness. Um, you have to believe that he was telling the truth. But that said, everyone knows whether you've fought before or not, that the moment you tell a referee that you can't see, um, it's over. It's over. And it is all over. And, 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 you know, when you think about Todd Duffy's situation and the fact that he hadn't fought in several years in the UFC and what was on the line, um, you either can say, well, it must have been pretty serious or there were some people who were speculating that, you know, maybe he just his heart wasn't in it. But the one thing that's indisputable is once you tell a referee that, Fight's done. Uh, They're going to tell the doctor that. And once that word gets to the doctor, they're going to wave it off. You know, so it's a shame. But, um, yeah, a little bit controversial, I guess. Yeah. I mean, to give him the benefit of the doubt, he could have been freaking out about his eyes not working. And he was maybe not thinking that that's going to stop the fight. 
But uh, to play just devil's advocate, as much as I don't like to claim a fighter like won it out or anything like that, I'll just point out a couple of things. Uh, Duffy looked really gassed. Like his fighting style, like we went over, is just a go for everything right away. Yeah. Uh, yep. He kind of like thrown everything he could and he was exhausted. Uh, the fight might have turned in Jeff Hughes' favor. Maybe he thought he wasn't going to win from that point. But I don't like to assume what a fighter is going through, kind of like you said at first. And I think we'll just leave it at that. Look, it's not out of question that a fighter realizes at a certain point during a fight, man, I just don't have this in me anymore after a layoff, a significant layoff. And one thing I want to point out is during the week with the media, he actually attacked the media and said that they never support fighters enough. It was a really odd but very articulate outburst at the media. So my point is that this is a guy that does He's really a cerebral guy. Like if you look at him, you would never think he's that way. But if, if you go back and find this clip, he's a really like articulate guy. And I just feel like there's a possibility that he may have just had enough with the fight game and the injuries. But that's just one theory to toss out there. Regardless, the outcome was disappointing, so. Yeah, okay. Now, I want to make my apology for going too hard on Tristan Connolly and the breakdown of his fight against Michelle Pejia. I think everybody should have picked Pejia. There was every reason to pick Pejia, and that's what you did. Uh, But me... I said that the fight made me uncomfortable, and I basically said that it shouldn't be allowed to happen based on the size difference, the uh, experience difference, and what I thought was just a a skill difference. And obviously, Tristan Connolly fought really well. Uh, I don't know how much to expect for him going forward at welterweight. I still might pick against him again, but I'll definitely show him a lot more respect the next time around. You know, for people who thought that the fight was a mismatch, I don't think they, you know, they were out of line. Um, The the late replacement thing is really, you know, what sort of I think may have pushed people over the edge there. Had it been a fight that was maybe booked from the get-go, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. I think it was more about the late replacement thing. Right. But he can fight. He can fight Tristan Connolly. Yeah. I mean, and just, just and, for the record, so can Bahia. Because I, I know a lot of people are kind of like making fun of him now based on all his antics. Apparently, his walkout, I didn't realize this because I don't think they obviously showed it all, but his walkout took about six minutes. He yeah. was dancing. I mean, it, it, it's not out of line to criticize the energy that he spent just to get into the octagon. And, and when you're overweight, I sort of made the analogy to Michael Page uh, when we previewed the fight in Bellator, right. you know, who seemed to be a little bit more focused on his antics before yeah. he got the crap knocked out of him. And maybe this will change both. So we'll see. That analogy aged pretty well, I would say. <laughs> I never would have thought. But uh, let's get into fight night Mexico City uh, with the breakdown. Break it down. All right, we'll start at the top. One of the more interesting fights on the card, we have Steven Peterson versus Martin Bravo. Uh, these guys are very even on paper. Uh, there's not a whole lot that separates them at all. Besides the difference in striking volume, which is somewhat significantly in the favor of Bravo. Uh, but other than that, this should be a fun fight. 
and it could be a very even fight and competitive fight. How do you see this first fight, Lee? Um, when I was looking into this fight, uh, I actually thought that there's a chance it could be one of those like loser leaves town fights where uh, whoever loses could potentially be cut from the UFC. You know, Bravo did win the Ultimate Fighter Latin America 3, but he's lost two in a row and he's only fought a couple times in the past couple years. So he hasn't been active and that's going to be something that is going to be interesting to look at. Um you know, his last loss to Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, um, you know, it was a brawl. It was a decision loss, but it was a brawl, and he got KO'd in his other loss. And, you know, so there's sort of just because of uh, the, the lack of activity is a little bit of a, a, a mystery as to what Bravo is going to show up. And Peterson himself was on the Contender Series, um, and he lost, but he was still brought into the UFC, and he's just one in three in his last four fights. So that's sort of the reason why, you know, I'm looking at this and, and it could be where the UFC says goodbye to the loser. Um, and also Peterson lost to Caceres as well. Yeah, and Luis, Luis Pena. He's a brawler. Uh, he's 17 and nine. He's, he, he's a flat out brawler. So I almost see this like the equivalent of like a tough man contest. And I think that's why they booked it first to start off the main card. It, it's often the fights to get the card started, especially on pay-per-view. Um, that where it's going to be action fights and you suck people in. And I'm going to go with Peterson winning this fight by first-round knockout, actually. I love it. Peterson is the former LFA bantamweight champion. He fought in Bellator. He's had kind of a rough ride, like you were alluding to, in the UFC. Uh, as for your loser leaves town uh, thoughts, I really do think this is Steven Peterson's last shot if he loses. Uh, he's oh, yeah. just lost too many times. Bravo might have one more chance, but it, it, you could be right. It could be for either of them. You covered a lot of what I wanted to say about this fight, but just to touch on the Contender Series fight that got Steven Peterson into the UFC, uh, because I love that fight. It was against Benito Lopez. It was just nonstop action. He did lose the fight, like you said, but he was awarded a contract anyway. The striking volume of Martin Bravo should lead me to pick him, but I'm going to do something that I tried not to do. Uh, I'm going to make a pick based on feeling. I got a feeling. And the narrative that I think this is Peterson's last shot. And just favoritism, because I like Steven Peterson. Uh, I think he's going to win a decision, but I would love your prediction of first-round knockout to come true. Yeah, we'll see. I'm just going for the bold prediction there. Yeah, I like it. So the second fight of the evening, Irene Aldana versus Vanessa Mello. Aldana, a big favorite here, minus 470. She's also four inches taller. She has way more UFC experience than her debuting opponent, Vanessa Mello. She, Mello is a late replacement for Marion Renault. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got some reads on her, but I'll, I'll let you take it first. How do you see this second fight? Well, I, yeah, I have a feeling we're going to agree about Mello here. I mean, you know, we just came off of your, you know, sort of apology for <laughs> ripping on a replacement last week. And, and guess what? I'm going to do it again. <laughs> it's not that I don't think Mello should be in this fight, but I just don't see this as an exceptionally competitive fight. Um, as you said, Mello is taking this fight on two weeks notice. She's making her, uh, her debut. Um, I don't think we're going to see a Cinderella story like we did last week. She's gone the distance in her last six fights. 
she's a serviceable fighter. There's nothing spectacular about her that you could really find. And Aldana is a she's an aggressive striker. She fights at a a, a pretty high pace. Um, I you know I'd love to hear what you think about her ground game. Although the UFC stats um, do say that she has a 93% takedown defense, but but. She absorbs 6.26 strikes per minute, Aldana does. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is because when you have a fighter that comes in on two weeks' notice and they're making their UFC debut, um, I love to see their approach because this is Melo's opportunity to stick with the UFC. And in my opinion, she should flat out just go for broke. Do you want to be a fighter and make this a brawl because even if she loses it's that situation where because she was a late replacement if she shows the ufc that she's coming to fight they may keep her around even in a losing situation but if she fights conservatively just like you sort of see on the contender series being a late replacement if she loses she's not gonna get asked back but that said i think aldon is just way too much and i'm gonna go with another finish second round stoppage uh second round tko yeah Aldana is kind of a tough debut fight. Uh, to talk about some of your points, uh, as far as Melo going for it on her debut, she may very well do that. But from the little bit I've watched on tape of Melo, <laughs> uh, I don't think a lot of her striking. And I, I, I don't want to apologize again here. But her striking was very slow and not, not great. And I also saw her get taken down pretty awkwardly a couple times, so I won't have much to say for her takedown defense either. Not that Aldana is a threat, but I didn't see any good wrestling from uh, Melo. I didn't see any good takedown defense from Melo, and I didn't see great striking. I don't think she really does a lot. Uh, And Aldana is a pretty decent fighter. She's coming off a loss to Raquel Pennington, which is a bit of a red flag for me. Uh, And in a different matchup, that might be something that I read into a little bit more. But it was also a split decision where she outlanded Pennington. So in general, I like Aldana's volume. She lands almost six strikes per minute, and she does have solid takedown defense. Not that I think she'll really need it here. I'm going to go with the heavy favorite. Uh, and I pick Aldana too. I'll pro- I'll side with you with the second round stoppage. All right. Okay, the third fight of the evening. This one probably has my attention more than anything on the main card. We have the debut of Askar Askarov versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, Moreno is somebody that always brings it, and he's fighting in his native Mexico, so I have no doubts that he will try to do that again. But Askarov has been a very talked-about prospect for a while. He's 26, he's 10-0, and and making his UFC debut. Uh, how do you see this fight, Lee? Yeah, so this is Askarov's UFC de- debut, and, and wouldn't you know, another undefeated Russian from Dagestan. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable how many of these Russian fighters you know, come over and, and, and they, you know, probably more than most countries, maybe you can make the argument with Brazilian fighters when newcomers come over from Russia. The one thing you rarely hear is they haven't fought a high level of competition. There is legit MMA in, 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 in that region. So, 
you know, uh, according to everything I've researched and watched, um, you know, Askarov has has fought legit, legit Russian comp, uh, competition. Uh, his submission game is is, you know, I, one person described him as a submission ace. Uh, Moreno, it's really interesting. He's looking to break break a two fight uh, losing streak. Um, and if we remember, he actually was released from his UFC deal when the flyweight division was in, in flux, you know, because yeah. it's like there was those rumors that they were going to kill it. Um, and then, of course, Henry Cejudo saved everything. Right. So yeah. Moreno's <laughs> re- resigned and now the division has, you know, this life again. So, um, you know, I. I Looking forward to hearing your take on on what could end up being the ground you know game aspect of this um, of this fight. I know Marino does have solid takedown defense, which could be a factor. But I actually think that Askarov's going to win this fight, be a third round submission. Um, I just think he's one of those you know unknown to the UFC prospects that is going to come in and just become another one of those Russian players, you know. But I'm going to go with third round submission. So. Yeah, Askarov, uh, he has a win by a twister submission, which, that's pretty crazy to me. He also has a win by Anaconda. It's snakes out there this big. And from what I've seen, he is a aggressive striker. He's a, he's a bit wild. Three of his ten wins are by a KO, and the other seven are by submission. I'm very excited to see this guy and to see what he's got. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good first matchup because Brandon Moreno is somebody that's always going to show up. Uh, I always like watching his fights, and he'll definitely make it fun. Uh, he's got wins over impressive people like Louis Smoka and Dustin Ortiz, but he submitted both of them by guillotine. And if you guys don't know, I hate the guillotine in MMA. I don't think it has a high success rate if you're against a decent grappler. Which I, from what I've seen on tape, I think that Askarov is. Uh, Unless you're somebody like Brian Ortega, you're not going to pull it off against somebody that's capable on the ground. So I don't really trust wins like that. Uh, Moreno only lands 2.71 on the feet. Uh, His takedown defense is okay. But at 61%, if... uh, if Askarov shoots enough, that's plenty of opportunity to get a takedown. And I think if he gets him down, he can probably do damage. Uh, I'll also pick him by submission. And I guess I'll go for third round with you. Hey, I have a question for you regarding yeah. your uh, guillotine comments. Is it because you think that it, t- it, it fighters spend too much energy on it, which obviously is the case? Uh, it's that, but it's more that it makes you end up in a bad position when the people okay. eventually get out of it. And if you keep track of it, when you watch the fights on Saturday and you look at how many times the guillotine is attempted and how many times people escape from it, it, it's just like, I hate, if I'm actually rooting for somebody, I hate when they go for it because it just, gotcha. I, don't, I don't trust it to work. You know where it works? Huh? EA UFC 3 video game. It works pretty well. So that's where I've had success <laughs> with it. <laughs> Just saying. That's yeah. my that's my experience with submissions. We'll move on to the co-main event of the evening. Uh, Carlos Esparza versus Alexa Grasso. Young and promising Alexa Grasso. 
She's got some mm-hmm. decent wins over Ronda Marcos, Carolina Kovacavich. How do you see this co-main event, Lee? You know, this is just this is a really interesting matchup. Um, Esparza, some people forget she was the first ever strawweight champ in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like she's so far from that now. You know, I'm going to be a little harsh. Um, she's a one-dimensional wrestler. She's lost two of her last three fights. Her, her striking is not impressive at all. It is insane to me that she submitted Thug Rose and Amayunas at, at one point. And obviously Thug Rose has evolved. She's always had that skill set. She's evolved as a fighter. We don't need to get too deep into that to where Esparza has not. And um, if they fought again, I don't even think that would be a close fight. Grasso, Mexican, she's won three of her last five. Uh, two of her losses were to Felice Herrig. And they have a common opponent in Tatiana Suarez. There's no shame in losing to her. Many people feel that not only is she the future of that division, but possibly even female fighting in the UFC. She's pegged as a superstar or a future superstar. But Grasso lost. Yeah, she's fantastic. And um, Grasso lost via uh, first round submission to her while Esparza got stopped in the third round. Um, you know, Grasso, I think people are just waiting for her to like turn it on, you know, to just take us to that next level. She's dealt with a serious uh, knee injury. Um, so these two are moving in a much uh, opposite uh, directions. And, you know, Grasso is the much better striker, but most fighters are better strikers, uh, I think, than Esparza. Um, she lands 5.79 strikes per minute to Esparza's 2.14. But if you put them side by side and watch their striking from a technical standpoint, much different. Um, Grasso statistically has solid takedown defense at 63%, which could be a factor because Esparza has the wrestling background. I, I just think this fight goes the distance, but Grasso picks her apart. Uh, which tends to happen with Esparza against people who can strike. So I see Grasso wearing a, uh, winning a very uh, clear-cut decision. Yeah, I don't, I don't see 63% as a very good takedown defense. I see that probably on the lower side of good. And if you're somebody like Carla Esparza, I think she's going to attempt enough takedowns that she'll have success with that. Uh, I, I think my pick is probably Esparza here. Uh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Grasso lands almost six strikes per minute. Uh, Esparza does not land very much, I think less than three. But Grasso does not wrestle well. Uh, she rarely attempts takedowns, and she doesn't defend that well. In her losses, she was taken down twice in both of them. She was taken down four times by Ronda Marcos, and she still won a split decision, but uh, I think Esparza is a lot more dominant on top than Marcos is. Esparza averages uh, around three and a half takedowns per fight. And in her fights that she won, she took down her opponents four or five, six times. I see that as the way Esparza is going to win this fight. Uh, I'm picking her. Well, I'll tell you what, if you are right, and that's the and that is probably the way she wins this fight. It's not going to be an exciting fight because she's just going to, you know, lay on top of her and, um, well, you know, trying and so you know. But we'll let's see not what happens. Start it, describing wrestling as laying on people. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying her style. I mean, you know, it's uh, she. I, there's some who are active. You know, I'm not. I'm not making a blanket statement that you know wrestling is just people laying on i'm not saying that in a disrespectful way i don't find her to be an exciting fighter 
And, yeah. you know, even when she's controlling, you know, uh, the fight on the ground, I just don't find her to be exciting. There's some who go for the kill and I don't find her, you know, to be exciting. So that's not a blanket statement on wrestling. I'm not one of those people. I appreciate yeah. all aspects of MMA. I just right. don't find her to be an exciting fighter. And at this stage, an exceptionally very good fighter. And that's very harsh, but, you know, come at me, bro. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let's go to the main event, which we have Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Uh, Rodriguez coming off that very crazy last second knockout of the Korean zombie. I'm sure everybody remembers that. It was it was something. Uh, he's six years younger than Jeremy Stevens. He's three inches taller than Jeremy Stevens. He strikes at a higher volume and he's the more dynamic striker. How do you see the main event, Lee? Yeah, Jeremy Stevens has more losses than a Yair Rodriguez has fights. Uh, that's 16, <laughs> 16 to uh, you know fourteen for Rodriguez, and that's not a knock on Jeremy Stevens. It's more about the experience factor. Um, you know, obviously, this is going to be about striking. Um, I think the only time this fight goes to the ground is if somebody slips or gets knocked down. Um, right. You know, Rodriguez has won four of his last five fights. That strike, that, I don't even know what you call it, that up elbow against a Korean zombie. Man, I'm not sure that's not the greatest finishing strike that you've ever seen. Um, yeah. But it was incredible. I, I mean, just the and at that point, at, at that to end the fight, you know, it was just unbelievable. Um, he was losing that fight when it happened, though. Yeah. Right. And so to have the wherewithal to think of that, I, I don't understand where that comes from. Um, right. Steams has lost two in a row. Good, you know, good opponents. Uh, Jose Aldo is a beat. Magomed Sharapov. Um, so there's no shame in that. But like I said, this is a pure stand up fight. Yet, you know, even though both are strikers, they're completely different kinds of strikers with Yair being a dynamic striker. And Jeremy is, to me, a pure power striker. Often comes at you one punch, two punch combo most at a time, but the dude has power. So if Jeremy Stevens connects big, I think the fight's over. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think one factor could be the altitude in Mexico, which Yair's been there training and that tells me he wants a high pace fight, which can wear Jeremy Stevens down. Um, so, you know, I just think that um, Jeremy Stevens could potentially be on more on the downside of things here in his career. Why, while Yair picks up that momentum that even though it's been a while since a Korean zombie fight, you know, that was incredible. I have him stopping Jeremy Stevens in the third round. Uh I'm going to basically agree with you. And the altitude comment was pretty good. I didn't really think too much about that. But with Rodriguez being from Mexico, Mexico, I think uh, he probably does have an advantage with that. But the one thing about Rodriguez was how badly he was beaten by Frankie Edgar. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see that as a very comparable stat to this fight with Jeremy Stevens, though. Uh, if anything... Rodriguez was probably worried about Edgar's takedown. Jeremy yeah. Stevens isn't a threat to take him down. Uh, neither of these guys really will go for takedowns. And if they do, Rodriguez should have the advantage on the ground. Like you said, Jeremy Stevens' real shot at winning this fight is he's got like that 
kind of crazy power. Like it doesn't like you don't really expect it. Some guys just hit super hard, and he's one of them. He's always been that guy. Yeah. But Rodriguez survived uh, Korean Zombie's power for five rounds. Uh, Korean Zombie hits very hard. He survived Dan Hooker's power, and he survived Andre Feely's power. Uh, none of those guys knocked him out. I don't really predict that Stevens is going to be able to knock him out either based on that. The last time Jeremy Stevens went five rounds, and it wasn't in Mexico City, was against mm-hmm. Cub Swanson back in 2014. And mm-hmm. he only landed 65 significant strikes in that fight. And Yair Rodriguez landed 119 in his five-round fight with the Korean Zombie. So I, I think this, to me, is a pretty clear win for Rodriguez. I agree with you. Okay, so we'll we'll end this one with that. Uh, not the most exciting card. I hope, uh, hope you guys still listen to this one. There's definitely some fights uh, to be excited about, like, like we went over in this. Uh, I think it's really cool to see Askarov make his debut. The opening fight with Steven Peterson and Martin Bravo should be really cool. Uh, now, because of how much we differ, I'm really interested in Carlos Barza and Alexa Grasso. Uh, the main event should be good. Like, it's not a bad main card. No, and, and there's some good prelim fighters too. So it, it's it's a solid card. Um, yeah. But you know, it's one of those things where the UFC puts on so many events, and you and I, you know, we love it. Yeah. But um, you know, this it, there's cards every once in a while that you look at and you go, okay, you know, it's good. Is it must right. see? Maybe, maybe not, but it's yeah. definitely good. And you know, lunatics like us are going to find ways to watch <laughs> it. So, yeah. Thanks, guys, uh, and we'll see you next time. See you. <laughs>